Obviously. On the prompt. I would stamp your forehead, Mike, because I really like you. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> Welcome to the prompt, a weekly panel discussion on technology and the culture surrounding Apple and related companies. It is January 29th, 2014. Welcome back to the greatest podcast in all of the world. My name is Mike Hurley, and I am joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hello, Stephen. Hello, Michael. How are you? I'm doing well. Mike, what would you like to be known for? This show. Federico Fittici. Hey, Welcome hey, to the show. How are you? I really missed you guys. I'm, I'm doing well, by the way. Why did you miss us? I don't know. I just want to hear your voices. Well, here we are. We're back together again. And I'm yeah. happy. Yeah. Did yeah, you know, I'm guys, okay. did, did you know that basically um, I wanted to try all these new uh, fancy uh, apps that use the the M7 CPU, I guess not CPU, coprocessor of the iPhone 5S. Yeah. Because I wanted to see if they actually worked, but because... It, uh, I realized that I that I don't leave my 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 house much, mm. so I kind of feel I kind I kind of I kind of felt bad uh, just a couple of days after installing all these apps. Yeah, and, uh, and now I don't know what to do. You know, <laughs> you took seventeen <laughs> steps today. <laughs> also, uh, and, and it's like they're judging me. You know, yep. oh, they definitely are. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Like, I my favorite one is underscores pedometer plus plus because it's just the, the most simple. But every time I open it, I'm like, oh, I'm sure that I move more than this. <laughs> <laughs> no, you didn't. <laughs> it just seems unfair. What if so? If I developed one of those apps and um, I wanted to pressure people into moving more, I think I would do like uh, a screen. And it's like, you, today, you are a... So, like, if you went running or something, you'd be a cheetah. Oh, awesome. or Or, like, if you did a bunch of walking, like, hey, you're a mailman. But if you're Federico, it'd be like, today, you were a rock. Koala. <laughs> <laughs> I think koalas move more than Federico. <laughs> today, you were a lump of sand. Before, before be we get into follow-up, I have something weird that's happened to my phone again. Wait, is there okay. a sound effect for this? <laughs> there should be one. <laughs> so this this is really strange, and I need to see how other people are having this. In, it, over the last two days, all of the apps that I've been opening have been asking if they can, like they've been re-asking me if they can use like um, contact data, um, address book data, uh, co-processor information, all apps that I previously said yes to, and now they're you know all asking me do? You should restore your phone. I'm not going to do it. I you know just you restored do? the phone, Michael. No, I refuse. I, Mike, mm. you should burn your phone. It's become it's become self-aware. <laughs> so do you burn mean to mail you phone. my... I have a Moto G here. I, I can mail it to you. I have a, a Nexus 5 that randomly turned on by itself a couple of days ago. That was just Eric Schmidt wanting to uh, listen <laughs> in. He wanted to sell me intimate, some paint On your intimate moments. Yeah, I don't look. I know, I know. I should restore my phone because it's what everybody tells me to do. But out of principle, I refuse to do it because my phone shouldn't be this way. And I'm waiting for seven point one because people keep telling me, people keep emailing me and DMing me because they don't want to say it in public. Seven point one fixes all my problems. So I'm just going to wait because I tell you why. If I do something to my phone, if I restore my phone and something goes wrong or I lose some data that I don't want to lose, I will be really annoyed. 
Where at it, the moment it's so easy to do. Where it, at the moment you don't lose anything. Where at the moment I can live with it and I get interesting stories to tell. And now basically <laughs> every single listener is going to be re-asked for all of this information because it seems what seems to be what happens. Something happens to me. My phone's ahead of the curve. Something happens to me and. Uh, I wouldn't maybe say worse. ahead of the curve. I would maybe say worse than everyone else's. <laughs> that, that works too. Another strange thing that happened related to my phone. Um, I found out a couple of days ago when I received my phone bill that um, my network didn't process my upgrade correctly, and I've been paying for two phone contracts since September. So, there you go. Oh, so it's you like know? you have to. So it's like you have two phones. You have, you have the, the the day phone and the night phone. I have no idea where this, where the SIM card no. is. How did you not notice your cell phone bill doubling? I don't pay attention to these. Things. Mike, Mike, it comes oh. up by direct debit, which you don't understand what that means. No, I do understand what that means, but it's still money. It's like, oh, it's just on the internet. It's not real. It's not Bitcoin. It's a real thing. Well, I've been putting all of my money into Bitcoin, so. Oh, God. I've been mining. That's going to, spoiler alert, that's going to end really well for you. Bit, the Bitcoin market just crashed because Mike Hurley put his money in it. I can hear the emails coming. <laughs> so so here, so if you don't want to restore the phone, maybe, maybe what you could do is just turn it off yep. and put it in some sort of sack. But that sack inside a barrel, and then fill the barrel with concrete and sink it in the river. I might do that. It's a demon. <laughs> I, you know. You know. I see the point. I see the point that Mike wants to make because um, I think that if you if you don't restore a phone from a backup, you lose all your messages, right? There. Yes. And that's that's seriously insane. That's Did the case. That's the Casey Liz. That's the Casey Liz yeah, problem. He had some app just, that sucked them all out. Yeah, no, I, wanna, look, I, I know to... that there are ways around it, but there's other stuff. There's like game data and where will my Vespa notes go? Like, where are they going to go? Because that doesn't yeah. sink. Like, there are there are <laughs> things that I burn. will actually lose if I don't restore from backup. And then people say to me that if I don't do a fresh install and start over, then I might as well not bother at all. And I'm I'm not saying so. So I think you're misunderstanding what I'm saying. No, I know. What I'm you're not saying say, I'm not saying like clean restore, start from scratch, the full Matt Alexander, which I think is how he operates. Yeah. I think you would be I think a good safe middle ground is do a, a secure backup to iTunes so all your passwords are saved in the bundle. Restore the OS and apply the backup. If then you're having issues, sure, like nuke it, wipe it from the face of the no. earth. But I think a simple OS restore might solve a lot of your issues. I look or I, move to China and install the update they had today. I don't even want to get into that. Like, I'm, I, I'm going to put that thing down. Keep dropping. Um, <laughs> Is that Spider Man? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't want. I I get. I get it. I get what people are, are saying to me. I also do get lots of messages of people telling me that they restore and they still get all the same problems. But out, for me now, this has become a matter of principle. I feel like I shouldn't have to reinstall my OS every couple of months like i feel like i shouldn't have to do that my phone sure. should be made in such a way where i do not need to do that or if i but am going not, to restore clearly yes so apple <laughs> need to fix it and i'm going to get an, another round of messages today telling me that 7.1 fixes all my problems i just wish everyone who yes even if you don't aren't running the betas or don't know that send mike a message mike do you want to run 7.1 beta you have access to it yeah i, I don't i tend not to run the betas and Unless they're like the the, we the, both installed iOS seven in San Francisco. <laughs> no, no, no. I was going to say I I run the um the 
Like the full version, the full version upgrade. <laughs> the so much scarier betas. Yeah. Well, no, to be fair, I want to be fair. I ran it on an iPod Touch that I bought specifically for the purpose. You put it on your phone and I watched your battery it. tick down <laughs> by the minute. I, I undid it when I got home. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, short of drowning it in the river, I think you just have to wait or be a grown-up and restore like a gentleman. Mm-hmm. I have to be a grown-up and restore like a gentleman. Well, I decided to put all the cliches in there. <laughs> They're good. Should we do some follow-up? Follow-up. So, um, oh, here's something else that I did. <laughs> so I, I, feel, I feel like follow-up is becoming what Mike did in the past week. <laughs> it's, basically. Like, it's like we're just reading Mike's day one entries out loud. <laughs> God, this is the thing. Like the, Mark is this said, a dream journal? Marco, a couple of weeks ago on ATP, I think, said that I had a setup that was less nerdy or something than, than the average person. And I tried to defend myself, but I don't think I can. I'm clearly a step below no. everybody else. Yeah, you're you're clearly a normal. Yeah. Ugh. Well, I wouldn't say... Well, yeah, okay. No, you know, Mike, <laughs> Mike, 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 Mike is actually the, the geek guy who pretends to be a normal just to go to the parties. Yeah, that's true. Right? Yeah. So... If you remember last week, I was talking about the issues I was having trying to sign up to Beats Music. Well, I think it was the next day, I got at once about eight emails congratulating me with different uh, usernames for signing up for Beats Music. <laughs> so I've basically cornered the market around Mike usernames on Beats Music you ought to, now. You ought to sell those off. Nobody like the guy that. with his Twitter account. <laughs> I don't think he sold it. I think that's I, didn't, what that I don't. Up. I don't. I don't read it. I actually have Medium redirect to uh, something else. The trash. As a joke. Do you ever guys put jokes in your host file? No. I used to do that. I don't even have a host file. You have too much time, have, Stephen. Mike, you do have a host file. You just. Well, do you mean the <laughs> the the paper envelope that I keep information about all of you guys in? That's a very different thing. Okay. That's... Cool. Okay. So you have, in all actuality, you have like. A dozen Beats music accounts at this um, point. I think it's. I think I have about six or seven. I, I haven't signed up for them. Like basically, it says, "Come and finish your registration." Like, right. Because what it was doing, it was collecting the names that I was using because they were having server issues. Apparently, this is what they were doing, but they hadn't flicked all the switches. They were stopping new users, but they were taking the first part of the sign up, so you could claim a name, and then they would contact you later and ask you to to complete the registration. And I know that I haven't signed up with extra accounts because I've had like the marketing email come through you know you get like marketing emails for services I've only had one come through because otherwise I would have had eight if I had eight accounts so but I have signed up for Beats Music and I, I thought that I would maybe give my impressions on it a little bit if that's okay have you been testing it for a few days I've been testing it for about a week and so this uh, is wow. your official review uh-huh this is my official review okay. it's happening right now um I love Beats Music like perfect <laughs> let's move on now, I, I've uh, so I found all the music that I wanted except uh, one artist called the Maccabees they only had one album of their four albums oh the Maccabees yeah that's from a few years ago right uh, they yeah they've they've had a bunch of albums over the last maybe five years and they only had their first album I, I don't know I just remember one specifically I don't know why that's okay yeah sorry Mike the recommended playlist feature is so good like I agree with you, Federico. Your review of Beats Music was awesome. I read that uh, last night. Um, 
So thank you for writing that. I'll put that in the show notes for people. Stephen? Yes. Where can people find the show notes? They are on the internet, Michael. Okay. The very particular URL. What is it? Which is f- it's 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 33. Excellent. So um, it does. I, I feel like the service is doing a really good job of learning what I like because I feel like the, the playlists that it suggests to me, like the curated playlists that, that, that it tells me I might like are getting better because I keep adding more of them to my... Like I keep subscribing to more of them, which is something that I never did in like... In, Spotify or whatever because it was all those playlist stuff but it, I feel like it's understanding the type of music that I like and it's helping me go outside it a little bit um, like outside of my own library and my own collection and I'm listening to some newer stuff which is great um, the collection navigation is done really well um, one of the things that I really like is that I can listen to all songs by an artist so let's say the Arctic Monkeys, I like to listen to their five albums just on a shuffle of all of the songs. On audio and Spotify, I would have to create a playlist of all of their albums. But on Beats, you just go to the tab where it says songs, and you just press play, and it just starts playing them, which I really yeah. like. Yeah. Are, are you guys annoyed by the lack of a Mac application? No, I'm more annoyed by the lack of, a, of an iPad app, actually. Um, I'm okay with it because I... My Jambox is a much better; it has much better speakers than my MacBook Pro, so I tend to anyway just um, use the Bluetooth speakers and, and play that way anyway. So I'm okay with the no Mac application. Right. Really. I, I suddenly had a flashback to the whole episode we had about how we listen to our music mm-hmm. and realized that was probably a dumb question. Damn. It kind of bugs. It kind of bugs me. I think part of it is that in my day job, I spend so much time in the browser, like doing web development type stuff, and. And so like, I'm actually did it today. I, I'm constantly closing the wrong tab or the wrong window or the wrong browser. And for the, like for, for my music to stop is, is annoying. And so like, I actually, uh, I've been playing with it a, l- a little bit, not as much as you guys. And I actually put it in a fluid app, uh, which is, if you're not familiar, fluid is really cool. OS 10 app that you basically feed it URL and it makes a cocoa wrapper around the website. So the website kind of works as its own app. So it's in the, it's in the application switcher, it's an activity monitor. You put it in the dock as its own shortcut. And uh, that's actually worked okay for me. Um, but anyways, continue. Changing the audio level is so stupid. So like the, the, the level of the volume, it doesn't have on-screen controls to do this, but when you press one of the buttons, it brings up an on-screen control. I don't understand the reasoning for that. It makes no sense to me at all. Yeah, I think the the, the whole idea of covering the the artwork doesn't really make sense i kind of yeah i i agree with that i i think that the when it's you know the thing going around like the, the, I, the, I mean it's 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 unique because yeah, it's a, it's a very different for. it's a very different design but um if i had to choose i would pick something that that lets me see that the artwork and the only um other thing that i have i would really like a quick toggle for offline mode so to go into offline mode, you have to go into settings and then select offline. But then when you're in offline mode, there is a quick toggle to turn it back to online mode. And the reason I like that is because I sometimes have spotty internet connection and you try and load the app and it's trying to find an internet connection to load your music, uh, like to, to load the, your sort of stored music uh, that you've downloaded to the device. But So I just find that frustrating. Now, does anybody know if... 
this is going like a Beats Music subscription is going to be available via in-app purchase or subscription. That's what I was wondering too, because all the other guys, uh, Spotify and Audio, they have in-app purchases, right? Because I'm w- concerned what happens to me in nine days. Yeah, um, uh, so I have added my Italian credit card, and I didn't receive an error message yet, and I got the and I got the um, the extension of my free trial account. I don't know what's gonna happen in in a week. Yeah, because ha- what did you put in for a zip code then, Federico? <laughs> my my local zip code. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Because ours is letters, right, instead of numbers. So we'll see what happens. I I, I don't know what I'm gonna do because in in short, um. I would like to continue using Beats Music yeah. as my as my service of choice. I mean, I want I want to give them my money. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I <laughs> I want to sign up. If I can sign up, then I will cancel my audio account. Wow, this gives me everything that audio gives me, and it gives me more. So I don't. Um, I'm I'm really really I am actually genuinely really happy with the service. Like I think that it is awesome. Um, and I would I would like to switch, but I don't know if it's possible for me to do it. You know, there's a, there's a little feature that uh, that I that I mentioned in the review, but that I really really like is that when you go to an artist page and you find um, like if an artist has um, multiple editions of an album and they have remasters or remixes, they are hidden by default. So you have to tap a button to to show those because you're probably not interested. You just want to see the original. So the app does that for you. That is so awesome. Yeah. I do honestly feel like, and I know this is their marketing, but I do honestly feel like that this is a service made by um, by music lovers. Well, it, it is marketing, maybe, but I mean, the CEO, <laughs> he he was he wasn't he was the 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 Beastie Boys manager, basically, yeah. the the internet manager of the Beastie Boys. But you know, this, that's, it's an easy marketing thing to do, right? You can, yeah, yeah, sure. And and I mean you know Dr. Dre and 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 Jimmy Iovine I mean these are guys that know music right mm-hmm. but yeah I can I can see why they it, it's also an, an easy marketing angle to to take yeah so yeah I really like the service I hope that um, either I can sign up or it comes to the UK very soon I don't think this, the latter will happen in any time soon so we'll see we'll see what happens. I believe there are gift cards. Maybe I can procure those. Somehow. Mm. Uh, they have um, gift cards for the Target stores. Also, yeah. I, I don't know if people are going to shop at Target again, you know, after the... <laughs> I, uh, I just use Bitcoin at Target now. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's probably more secure. We actually got caught up in that. Um, oh, did you? We, we didn't have... So far, we have not had any, any like charges on our accounts but like my wife's debit card was in the in the mix and so we got a letter from target and a call from the bank and they you know swapped out her card but uh we didn't have any like money taken from us so I, you know that might have been alarmist the way i said it because some people definitely have like even the people i follow on twitter have been saying like yeah my card's been used or whatever but um it's crazy they really weren't very good at databases over there at the old target it department Brother. Can you ask your can you ask your hacker if he can buy some Beats Music cards for me and Mike? Uh yes. Okay. I will Thanks, tweet man. him. <laughs> At <right> hacker. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see if someone has I'm sure. Somebody yeah. must do. Uh yes. 
will not respond <laughs> of, of to course. direct messages. They okay. have 3,700 followers. See? Why don't That's they your guy. respond to DMs? I don't know. That's lame. DMs. And they go to the hacker uh, parenthetical computing Wikipedia page. Hmm. I want to follow him, but I'm not going <laughs> to. I think it's just they're just... Um, yeah, it's via Twitter feed. So they're just pulling like news articles that have the word hacker in them. A valuable service to the internet. Please Thank don't you. steal my identity. Thank you, hacker. We love you. So should we take a quick break and then jump into some topics for this week? Sure. So this episode of the show is brought to you by the fine folks over at Squarespace. They're the guys that give you absolutely, and gals, who give you absolutely everything that you need to make an amazing website. They are the all-in-one platform that make it easy to put your work on the internet. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO1. So Squarespace, Squarespace have been so busy in January. Like 2014 has been insane for these guys. I know that I'm always saying, you know, that, that they're always making sure that they update their platform with new features and new designs and with greater support. Well, they're showing it this year. In the last week alone, they've added this a new block to their layout system that they that, that they call Layout Engine, which is how you add different types of content to your site. They call them blocks, and you drag and drop them around. One called Buttons, of which one of the buttons guys says "Take Action," um, which is what the, on the on the Squarespace blog they've they've labeled one of their sites as "Take Action." Clearly, listeners of the prompt over at Squarespace. They've also added some fantastic new designs. They've had a, a new template option, which has recently become available for for business sites, which looks really, really cool. And they have also uh, recently re like uh, overhauled and reinvigorated their support management system. So they've they've done all of those things just in the last month alone. And of course, Squarespace. You know, I, I feel like we should congratulate them a little bit. They have a Super Bowl ad coming, which is kind of scary in a way That's for insane. me. Because yeah. one of our sponsors has an ad in the Super Bowl this year. It's so, like we're sponsoring the Super Bowl. I think we are. I, I be- my understanding was we were hosting the Super Bowl. <laughs> Can you imagine that? <laughs> the three of us. <laughs> I will be watching the Super Bowl this year. Again, Two of us with absolute no knowledge of uh-huh. how American football works. <laughs> yeah, that'd be nice. I would just be saying there's only one football. Yeah. And then, Soccer. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> So I've filled off a little bit there. Squarespace have, you know, they have really beautiful templates. and But as well as the templates, they give you all of the tools that you need to really craft and, and tweak their templates to make your site look like it's your own. Squarespace sites look fantastic across the board. They're very clean. They're very simple. When you go to a Squarespace site, it doesn't jump out at you to say, this is a Squarespace site. You know, it's, it's not clear that it's come from some... Uh, blogging system that has a theme gallery that you pick from because they look just really modern and fresh and clean and and just really professionally designed but you have the ability to change some of the elements you know you can change some of the layout options you can change colors and fonts and stuff to really make your squarespace site have a bit of your own personality too which is really really important i think squarespace take care of all the nasty stuff like hosting they take care of seo they also make your site look fantastic on any devices they they build responsive web design right into every squarespace site I mentioned their support. Well, Squarespace has over 70 dedicated employers and their customer care team based in New York City. Squarespace's design sense carries through their entire product from their fantastic iOS app, Squarespace blog and Squarespace metrics, as well as Note and Portfolio. 
from their, the way that their templates look, as I mentioned, and also from their backend system as well. So what you use to do admin on your site, to see charts and to actually post to your site, that all looks fantastic as well. As I said earlier, you can try out Squarespace for free. There's no credit card required to sign up for their trial. And if you decide to purchase, it starts at just $8 a month and includes a domain name for free if you sign up for a year. And make sure that you get yourself 10% off and support this show by using the offer code TALLYHO1. That is T-A-L-L-Y-H-O and the number one. Thank you so much to Squarespace for their support of 5x5 and their continued support of the prompt. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about, um, it's kind of like a two pieces of follow-up merged into a topic, which is Ember for Mac and iOS developed by Real Mac Software. So this week, um, Real Mac have released some updates for their Mac version and iOS version. Um, I picked Ember previously as one of, one of my uh, weekly picks on the show. And they've added some really cool stuff. So obviously they've added the iOS app in since then, but a couple of things that have come to to both Ember on the Mac and Ember on iOS now. They have like annotations so you can add text and draw like lines and bubbles and stuff. I really like, they have this like magic, they probably give it a better name than this, but I'm going to say like magic annotation thing, option. <laughs> where I think you, it's smart drawing. Of course it is, Federico. I, of course you would know. Um, <laughs> magic annotation is better thought. Magic annotation sounds good. <laughs> I'm going to give the real Mac guys that. They can take that and, and yeah. they can just make that the new name. So <laughs> I sure really like so jumping can, on that right oh, now. It's great, isn't it? Magic annotation. That will fit in a label button. Um, anyway. Put a background around it <laughs> so people know it's a button. Yep. <laughs> so, uh, so, hey, we should back up a second. So yeah, okay. for back people up. who maybe not remember what Ember does, what does Ember do? So Ember is like a digital scrapbook. So there's a bunch of different things that it does. You can, um, like apps like Dropler and Cloud App, you can do screen grabs and they go right into your Ember um, app and then your library, which you can sync by iCloud. Um, and it also does, it does feeds. So you can you can subscribe to RSS feeds in the Mac version and it will pull in um, like a, all, all images and content from an RSS feed which is pretty cool. So if you, I don't know if you subscribe to a design blog or something. It's basically a way of keeping media or in the idea, basically whatever you want to put in it, really. I think it's right. Screenshots, photos, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they can, they can take that too. Screenshots, <laughs> photos, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> it also has a browser built in as well and um or you can they have browser extensions so you can like clip pages you know you get like the web clipper with like evernote and stuff so really it's kind of like a bunch of these different types of um scrapbooking or clipping applications rolled into one um the ios version as well as having magic annotations which they've just added um, which is basically you draw with your finger or you can draw with your mouse on the Mac. So it's like you draw a circle in your messy way and it pops it out to a perfect circle or you draw a line and it turns it into an arrow, that kind of stuff, which I, I really like that. I think that's a really nice way of doing that, especially on iOS where it can be a bit fiddly to, to put those sort of annotations on. They also have an auto Im import feature of screenshots. So if you have like, I think this would be really useful for app developers 
you know, so you want to collect up different screenshots of a, either your app or an app apps that you like, and it will just pull them all in automatically, and then you can make your annotations to them as you wish, and they can sync it to your Mac, so you can make more there. So one of the other things that's interesting that also ties back to something we spoke about before is the monetize, monetization options that they've chosen for this. So Ember for iOS is free. Um, and they've added annotations and auto import as two separate in-app purchases. I think one, I think uh, annotations is four ninety nine and auto import is one ninety nine. Hmm. Federico. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So I, I think that this is a really interesting idea. Um, it's the first time that Real Mac, I believe, have done any freemium uh, options, and the the head of Real Mac, Dan Council, he wrote a really good blog post a couple of days ago about different types of um, app pricing models, uh, paid, freemium, and premium, which is an interesting one that came up. So I wanted to just bring up that this stuff's happened to Ember. I think it's really interesting. I, I like to see these guys trying out new things. Do, do, do either of you guys have any of anything else that you'd like to add before I talk about premium for a minute? Yeah, um, I think that of course, this isn't the first time that developers are trying this um, free app with um, in a purchases approach. I mean, I'm thinking of um, Paper, the, the the iPad by the iPad app by Fifty Three, mm-hmm. and uh, there are other apps that try this um, this this process of giving you the free the free app but unlocking features for, with with separate payments. What I find interesting is that I'm thinking about this trend of freemium apps, right? So you you have the ability to unlock the features you want, right? So it's not crazy to think that users end up having different experiences with 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 the app because maybe Michael you 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 bought the the screenshot automatic import but I didn't whereas I use Ember as an annotation app but maybe Steven doesn't. So it's interesting to think of developing uh, developing an app as a as a as 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 a new kind of creation creation process because users have this modular approach, so it's like you're buying little plugins for for the basic app, and then you have to decide how you want to use the app based on your on your needs, which can be, I think, great in terms of exposure, you know, because the app is free and and then if if you want to pay, you decide to you know to 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 purchase the the, the features that you need, but it's also it it also makes me wonder if maybe doing so will 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 get us to the point where there is no unified vision behind an app because you just keep adding you just keep putting features for people that need them, whereas in in the old days you used to build an app with with a with a specific set of features that you had in mind. And, and you sold that app, and, and, and if the users l- liked it, they bought it. Otherwise, they didn't. So, it, it, you know, the times, the, the times they, are, they are changing. Oh, the times they are changing. Right? Mm-hmm. So, uh, I don't know, Stephen, what do you think? I mean, uh, I think we're kind of straying into what Mike was going to talk about, but uh, plain text 2... Um, which is a Dropbox markdown text editor for iOS. Um, they did this a while back, and like the um, Hogbase software 
and the guy, you know, I think the guy's name is Jesse. Um, there's been a lot of stuff going on over there. Like, I don't even know if he owns the app anymore. A bunch of them went up for sale. And anyways, uh, Plaintext 2 did this and it was like a $3 to remove the ads, $2 for an extended keyboard, a 99 cents for a live word count. And then there was a passcode option as well. That was a couple bucks. And like, so all in all, like the app was like $8. Like if you did all the in-app purchase and, but Federico, what you said is like so genius. I hadn't really thought about it that way, but like, I would have bought removing the ads, extended keyboard, and live word count. Uh, I would not have purchased the passcode, but like maybe someone else would, and that experience now is different. And there's and importantly for like long term costs, their support needs are different because like maybe there's a bug that only happens if you have in app purchases one, three, and four, and like it's a weird combination that makes the app crash or something. And you know, I think I mean we've talked about this to death. Everyone else has talked and written this to death that you know payoffs are dead that you know uh uh freemium you know free within that purchase is the future and like i'm not gonna sit here and argue that i think there's lots of data to say that that is that is indeed happening but this idea that like a paid app can also have in-app purchases um or that a free app could have like three or four or five like feature-based in-app purchases like that's even like a step beyond free within that purchase in my mind. And like, mm. I, I really don't know how I feel about it. Like I'm all for like paying developers for their work. Like, you know, all three of us know people like in real life and on the, on the internet who like app, you know, I don't, I'm not going to pay for an app. I'll use a free one. Like, so like there's a super annoying thing right now. Like it's been really cold here and we've had some, actually some pretty interesting weather. And so like my Instagram feed, which is mostly like real life meet space people, it's like web screenshots of weather apps. Like really like I know how cold it is because I also have that app or actually have a much better app uh, because I paid for it and you don't. And like, so like my Instagram feed is just full of like weather apps with like terrible looking, like non retina, like crappy ads on them. Like, I don't want to see that. So like if there's an app purchase of ads, like I'll do it every time. Mm-hmm. But like this idea of like hitting people up over and over for in-app purchases, like I just don't know. Like, is that too far down the road that we're going? You know, is, is something like Paymium too far? I think as long as the the intention for usefulness remains clear and pure by the developer. So, like, for example, in, in the instance of, of what uh, the real Mac guys are doing, there's, there's a couple of different things there. And, and as Federico kind of mentioned, you could potentially be using the app in a different way. So it maybe makes the app cheaper for you overall say for example they wanted to charge $15 for the app but or they could charge $15 in in in-app purchases well the app might only cost me $5 overall because I'm only going to use $5 of the features I think it's an interesting new way to go I think in this instance I, I do like it I agree that you know you could potentially go too far with it I don't know how far is too far um I think at the point where it becomes confusing for for when you're trying like there's like twelve different things here and, and this one looks like it contradicts this one and this one's a bundle pack and that's where it starts to get a bit like I don't really know what's going on anymore. But I I think I think that I think that it's maybe the only way that we can go. In all honesty, because it seems like paid app development isn't working anymore. Um, I actually kind of like the idea of premium. You know, add a new feature. If I want it, I can pay for it. If I don't want it, I don't have to pay for it. 
I think that that seems perfectly fine to me. I like to be able to support the applications that I that I like to use. Um, you know, which is the the whole thing that comes around every time somebody releases a brand new app. It might stop developers from needing to do that, which would be right. good. Which would be I, really I just, good. I just fear the world will like I download an app in the app store and like it's just an empty shell of what it could be if I chucked more money at it. Well, if it, uh, yes, that that's what we don't want to happen, uh, right? Unless it's free. I mean, I would even say even like if it's free, like at that point, it kind of becomes like super crappy, like five day trials, you know, like well, yeah. the app That's should be able to function, wants, though, don't they? Everybody but, wants but everyone is, is stupid, make bad decisions. Yeah. Mm. I, I think that it's something worth keeping an eye on. I think in this instance, I like it. I I actually do think that they, they've done a, a, a good, a good thing here. I think Paymium is a, an interesting thing to, thing to keep an eye on. I hope to see some developers that I quite like, you know, and trust, like these guys. I don't know. Maybe I know that Marco has spoken about how he's going to do Overcast. Maybe this is something that he's looking at. You know, he's someone that I feel like I trust. Uh, maybe like the Pocket Cast guys, right? Like Deve- those guys. Like Marco is not going to charge like me an extra four dollars so I can listen to a podcast that's longer than an hour. But like, not everyone is Marco. Like. There are for every like good guy developer, there's fifty bad guy developers who like will do that sort of shady stuff. And like, yes, app store ratings and everything can help filter that out. But like, and I'm not saying like the real Mac guys made a mistake. Like, I, I love what they do. Those guys are nice guys. Like, they're they're on they're the good guys. But there are bad guys out there who yeah. are going to abuse this more so than they already have. But then I wonder though, will me and you be bothered by that? Do we download bad guy apps? I don't even think that we do. And no, but my I mean, mom does. Like yeah, you but, know, like you know, our friends do. But they're downloading Candy Crush and paying like seventy five dollars uh. a week. So it's not you know <laughs> you that's, could be you could be kind of, to crack for less money than Candy Crush. <laughs> it's already in that space as bad as it can be. So. We might Don't as well have. It's, it could get so much worse. It can always get worse. Have you not learned anything? Everything can always be worse, Michael. Okay. I mean, but like, if you look at those games, I mean, I don't really know what you, what more you can do. Like, just keep making it so people pay more and more and more. Like, there's not really much more these people can do. And if people want to spend that amount of money, then let them spend that amount of money. Because you know, what do you want at that point? You're, you're beyond help now. Um, I just yeah I I uh, yeah um I'm gonna give a for Marco I I would quite like it if he made people pay like a hundred dollars for like two times speed because <laughs> nobody should ever listen to a podcast that way no sinners sinners mm-hmm. maybe I, Apple maybe Apple could charge people to use their dock on the bottom that's just as <laughs> heinous <laughs> you're funny. Uh, all right all right federico yes mike what do you want to talk about i want to talk about fashion is is that all right yes just the italian right no 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 in general so i've been thinking a lot um after ces right um we've seen these um this explosion in terms of popularity of all these uh, wearable devices uh, smartwatches, uh, fitness bands, and and stuff that goes on the wrist, and uh, I don't know. I'm pretty sure that I saw a smart toothbrush and a smart necklace. Um, 
everybody's trying to give this all a wearable idea, some sense. Mm-hmm. So I've been thinking, you know, I've been I've been talking with my with my, with my friends and with my girlfriend about 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 this intersection of technology that you that that, that becomes wearable. So that, that isn't just technology, right? It's not just a device. It's a device that you that you that it's always visible, that, that it's on you. So it it also becomes a, a fashion kind of a accessory, right? So um as I told you guys, um, I, I thought of some examples: um, Beats headphones, the Pebble, the Pebble Steel, fitness bands like the the Nike Fuel Band, and of course Google Glass and a bunch of other gadgets. So, and of course there there are rumors about 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 Apple doing a, an iWatch, although it's not clear if if they do if they want to do the just the watch or maybe something for fitness or a tracking device. Nobody knows. So I wanted to to ask you first, do you guys wear any of these um, wearable devices? Not currently. I had a fuel band for a while, uh, but kind of got bored of it. Uh, it just all it did was the fitness tracking thing. I mean, and that's fine, but I'm not like a fitness freak, and it wasn't. It was kind of cool, but uh, I had to charge it every couple of days, and there was problems with the Nike software. I do have a Pebble on the way. Like it's literally on the way, so it will probably be here by this time next week. So okay, I'm interested. What about you, Stephen? Uh, I I had the fuel band as well, and mine actually kind of didn't die, but was dying. And um, I currently have the Fitbit, the uh, Fitbit One, something, whatever the band is uh, that's not the watch face. Um, I wear it some, you know, I, I, I was wearing it. Oh, the Fitbit one is the one that clips on your pocket. I have the Fitbit, uh, uh, bu- 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 I'm waiting for the page to load. I have Fitbit, the Fitbit bit, flex, bit. Okay. Fitbit, bit, bit, fit flex. And, um, I wear it some, I don't, I don't wear it every day. Um, I like it a lot more than the fuel band. Fuel band was kind of cruddy in a lot of ways, but day to day. I mean, I would say more days than not. It sits at home. Okay. So. You guys bought some of these devices. They're not great because eventually they stop working or the quality isn't great. And um, But you don't wear multiple ones at once, right? You, you just no. wear a device of these bunch of uh, brands that you bought. So my, my main question that I want to, to address in, in, this, um, in this episode is um, I want to think about the, the idea of utility. Right, because you basically are putting a small computer on your wrist or maybe around your neck if you are buying one a smart necklace or uh, a bracelet. If you're, you know, if if it's not strictly a band, so the idea of utility, uh, because a device that that has a that is a computer that 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 needs data about you. Is, uh, is useful, can be considered useful because it, it's tracking your steps or because it, it's, it's monitoring how you sleep or maybe it's, it's, uh, it's a device to display notifications from your phone. So it can be considered useful. But now that, that a lot of people are thinking about the idea of uh, wearable devices that need to also be well-designed in terms of uh, a fashion uh, point of view, 
because your people will need to to wear these. It's not like an iPhone that even if it didn't have the best design ever, it's going in your pocket or your purse anyway. So it's not always visible on you. But but a, but a bracelet or a watch or a necklace or a ring, these things are always visible. So there is a there is a fashion and an appearance point of view that that needs to be considered. So my when I, when I was thinking about this this topic, um, my my idea was that smart devices they are useful. They the companies that make them they prioritize utility. Whereas fashion, I thought, isn't useful in in its own. Fashion is a, is about looks, right? Mm-hmm. So it's not about utility. It's about what what looks good, what is desirable, what the kind of object that you that you want to have for yourself because you think that it will make you look good, and because maybe having it kind of makes a statement about about the kind of taste that you have, about the kind of things that you like, about the things that you can afford. And about, you know, wearing something, wearing a specific brand or, I don't know, of sunglasses or a specific uh, brand of jackets or a coat. It's not strictly about the brand. It's about you and, and your decision to buy that brand. So my thought was that it's difficult to, to merge utility and aesthetics because the, there, there, are different, there are different goals in these areas. But after thinking about this and, and talking about it with my with my girlfriend and and with other friends, I realized that the, that, that I was wrong because if you if you if you consider fashion, it's it is useful. It's not useful in the way that computers are useful. I think that fashion can be considered useful in in a different way because people who are buying fashion objects and uh, and accessories especially right wearable accessories like rings and bracelets and necklaces and and i don't know glasses right these things are useful because they accomplish the the goal of making you look better of making you look making you look more fashionable and trendy and and you know just making you look good to the world mm-hmm. so there is a common thread of utility in 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 having a device that is a computer and having an accessory that makes you look good. So, um, having found this common idea, how do you do you balance the need to? How do you balance computer utility and fashion utility? And and is it possible to in, in, with modern technology with the current state of uh, modern screens and batteries and wireless communications. Is it possible to find the perfect mix of computer utility and fashion utility? And so that's why I came up with those examples and I thought that we could quickly run by them. So for the first one, of course, was the Beats headphones, right? Mm-hmm. So Mike, you mentioned that you, that you have a, a pair of, um, of Beats Yep. Headphones. Um, so of course, Beats um, Electronics, which is the parent company of Beats Music, by the way, when they announced that they were um, about to enter the, the the headphone market, a lot of people were skeptical because, I mean, you know, a company founded by a, 
a music producer and a rapper, they were not uh, hardware engineers, right? They just, they knew music and the approach that they were taking was a very fashion-oriented approach because the Beats headphones, they, 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 they are fashionable. They are objects that the kids like. And um, so when, when the first, I remember a few years ago when the first reviews of the Beats headphones hit, um, the press, everybody mentioned that they looked good, but they were not the, the best headphones in terms of technical performance because the, 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 the bass was overblown and because, you know, you, you, could, you could find better options by buying other brands like uh, Sennheiser or, I don't know, Sony headphones. Mm -hmm. What happened, though, is that over the years, the premium headphone market has basically exploded, exploded in, the, in the US. And by premium, and um, uh, I saw a report by the MPD group from couple of months ago basically by premium they mean headphones over a uh, hundred dollars and it, it is growing um and now i'm looking at this report uh it has increased 73 percent year over year in 2012 and of these premium headphones beats has taken something like 64 percent which is a huge stake in this market so basically they have these headphones that they're they don't produce the best sound a lot of people actually hate the way the beats uh headphones uh produce uh, you know render uh, sounds and they are made by a rapper and and a former music producer who knows um, who knows a lot of people in the industry they are trendy they are fashionable they are popular among uh, I remember when the, the U.S. basketball team uh, for the 2008 Olympics, uh, there were photos of all the U.S. basketball team with these uh, Beats headphones around their necks. So they are very popular among celebrities and so some basketball players, football players, uh, of course, personalities in the, in, the, in the music industry. The tech nerds and the tech reviewers hated it. The, hated the, the, the Beats at, the headphones, but the people are loving it because they, look, because they look good, because they are fashionable, because they are desirable, because the Beats company created this idea that Beats are good headphones that are worth desiring, that are worth buying, even if they are expensive. And uh, so, Mike, I want to ask you, what's your experience with, with these things? So I, w I was bought Beats um, as a gift uh, a couple of years ago for Christmas. And I was pleased to, to, to get them. Like, uh, yes, it's a fashion thing, you know, to, uh, in part. I do think that they look cool. And they sound, I mean, they sound pretty good. Like, they, they were better than any other headphones that, that I owned, um, except for my the professional ones that I use for podcasting. But you wouldn't use these as plugged into my iPhone. It would just be weird. Um, and I used them for a long time and really liked them. Um, I, I haven't used them for a while. Uh, it was mainly because the ones that I had, I had the quite large ones. 
I can't remember what they're called, maybe studio or something. They require batteries to power them. Uh, the bigger ones, I guess they're doing whatever they're doing, pro- like processing of the sound or the amplification and stuff. And that kind of frustrated me, just recharging the batteries every now and then. Um, I use them when I travel now, you know, to be on planes and stuff, because they're my, they're my over-ear headphones that I have. I've been thinking about trying to get some more, but I haven't decided what I want yet. Um, I'm looking for some headphones that have a good mic and uh, audio controls and stuff for the phone. So I've been looking at that, but I mean, overall, I, w- I was not disappointed at all about my uh, my my Beats headphones. Although they look good, they sounded pretty mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. So you see what you see what happened here. So they had an existing market, right? And and they thought that they could approach it with a, with a different uh, angle by saying, "Hey kids." Uh, we are this cool new company. There is Dr. Dre. There is uh, this music producer who, who worked with Eminem and Rihanna and, and a bunch of other cool guys. We are making headphones. And, and why are we making headphones? Because we think that it's important that you, that you ditch the, the cheap earbuds that you get with your iPhones and, and that you listen to music with these cool new objects that don't make you look weird in public, but that are actually saying that you are uh, one of the cool guys because you are wearing the headphones by Dr. Dre and because, look, uh, LeBron James is wearing the same headphones. So it's a, it's a, it's a very clever marketing campaign, but, it's, but it also says that... Now, never mind the fact that maybe technically these aren't the best headphones. I think that to be successful in, in, in fashion and, and, in, and in marketing, you don't necessarily have to, to produce the best product. No. You have to you have to produce the, the the product that people think is the best. It has to or be the uh, most desirable. Yeah, it's the most desirable. About, I, don't, I don't even think it's about thinking people thinking it's the best. I mean, as clever as the Beats headphones gig is, it's not at all original. I mean, the, I mean, you can look at tons of products that do the same thing, and you can see like you know, like uh, BlackBerry will hire Alicia Keys or whoever to be like their creative director, and it's the same type of idea where like. Let's not maybe, I mean, like, yes, like the product's fine or it's not fine or whatever, but there's a, a there's a status that comes with owning them and, and wearing them uh, on the subway. And that's what you want is, you know, to be cool, like, like LeBron or like all these other guys. And he's like, yes, like it's clever, but it's not like they didn't come up with this. Like they didn't just yeah. dream this no, up. No, no, no. I think the, you know. I think they actually came up with the idea because all the, the other headphones by like, uh, they, I, mean, they, I mean, they did it in the headphone industry, but like no, they didn't. I mean, but history did is littered with products that have used this tactic well before Beats showed up on the scenes. They they did this in the headphone world, and obviously quite successfully, yeah. right? Like they're they're just like yeah. printing their own money. But like lots of other companies do this in lots of other verticals. Yeah, but that's that's the point, right? Because the headphone market never saw this kind of approach, like the celebrity endorsed approach mm. so all the uh, all the other companies like um now you can find sync by 50 cent which is another kind of headphones uh there is um soul by Ludacris, which by the way um uh, i think that they sued the the beats company i don't know what's going on <laughs> and um so that uh, it's true steven that it was not the first time that uh, a company was trying to, you know, look at this celebrity that likes us. It's not, it wasn't the first time, but it was the first time for headphones, which was a niche market. 
and, mm-hmm. uh, and so that was the idea. And in the show notes, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll we'll put a link to to an interview with uh, with the Beats Electronics co-founder and uh, last year at the Dive Into Media conference with Paul Mossberg. And the 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 summary of that interview is that Beats thinks that they got they got kids interested in audio equipment again. Thanks to a cool design that was uh, created by a former Apple designer, which is something worth thinking about. And next up in my list is the Pebble Steel. So, of course, there, are, there is um, a lot of talk about, you know, Apple is doing a smartwatch, uh, Samsung came up with a, with a Galaxy Gear, and which, by the way, has a weird commercial, and there are a bunch of other guys doing the smartwatch thing, and uh, there are some huge displays that that go on your wrist. There are some smaller watches. Uh, there are companies trying the, the designer approach by uh, creating these smartwatches with uh, with you know with design brands. But of course, the Pebble is is the most popular one, and the Pebble Steel reviews came out yesterday, and there is a, a review by Nilay Patel at The Verge, which is very po- positive. Uh, there is a nice video and, and, a, and some cool photos. And, 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 I, and I gotta say, um, I think that the Pebble Steel looks uh, nice, certainly better than the original Pebble. And I, I, I asked a couple of friends of mine to, to what, they, what they thought about the Pebble Steel, and they all, they all said that, that it looked better than the first one and nice overall mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. maybe not i mean not as beautiful as a, as a as a as a mechanical watch as a as a as a classic watch but certainly the best smart watch of the bunch right now and i know mike that you that you that you're waiting for one so what do you think of your incoming phone uh, smart watch not not a phone <laughs> i'm i'm I mean, I bought it because I liked the way it looked in that it looks a lot better than the previous one. I have a better watch. I I own two watches that look nicer than this, in my opinion. But I feel like for the functionality like and the mix between the functionality and the apps that they're adding and the way that it looks now, I feel like that they've kind of moved into a a nice sort of middle ground of it all. Like as, as Neelai says in the review... It looks like a normal watch now, where the original Pebble kind of stood out on people's wrists because it looked weird. Like it looked, it wasn't normal. It didn't look normal. It was this big acrylic plastic thing. But this just looks like a regular watch, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. Actually, I had originally planned. I ordered one, and then was originally going to wait to see what the reviews said, and then choose whether I wanted to cancel my order or not. You should order but, a second one. But I got my shipping notification about 20 minutes after the embargo lifted. So it's coming anyway. But I'm pleased because I am I am actually, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm really looking forward to trying it out. Yeah. So you have a couple, I, sorry, Stephen, go ahead. No, I, was gonna, I, I do want to talk about, you know, Mike's talking about the um, the functionality. And like, I think we can get, there's some more fashion stuff too. But it's important to know, especially for like our audience of Apple people um that the pebble is is actually kind of relatively limited on ios like they have an app store now and so you can like check into to foursquare on your watch but really it's just connecting through your phone obviously 
um, and Yelp and a couple other things. But on iOS, the notifications over Bluetooth um, system is really limited. And I actually had I actually backed the Pebble on Kickstarter. So I, I had a Kickstarter edition, so I reviewed it um, now almost a year ago. And that, that review's in the show notes. Not doesn't hold up super well because the software has changed so much. But it's still relatively basic. Like you get a notification on your phone, it pushes to your watch, your watch vibrates. Um and I think it can light up. You can change what it does. And like that's about it. You can't like interact with the notification because iOS doesn't allow you to interact with notifications. Like it's just you read it and it goes away. Uh, on Android, there's a lot uh, more flexibility there. And um, so there's some, I put a Pebble white paper about iOS um, in the show notes. But like if you're looking at this thing to be like a smartwatch from like, I don't know, like, mission impossible like it's 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 not that it's maybe the closest thing we've seen and definitely even though there's some talk about the fashion itself um i think it's the best one we've seen i I think it looks fine like i'm not going to order it but it's not because of the looks it's because i don't really care for what how little the pebble can actually do on ios for me personally i mean and i'll see i'll see if if my hypothesis is correct Yes, the notifications is lim- are limited. Like the, the, what you can do, like you can just read them or whatever. In most, in pretty much every case, I kind of that I feel like that that's something that would be very useful to me, um, because I have my phone on my desk at work to see incoming notifications. A bunch of them I don't need to do anything with. It would be nicer if I didn't have to have my phone out on the desk all the time, and could Mike, just see those things Mike. coming in. Would you would you wear the pebble still at a, a formal dinner for business? Yeah. Okay. So, a couple of points I want to make about the pebble. Uh, the first one is um, is actually um, something that John Gruber wrote yesterday, and 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 it's really it's a really smart point. Um, basically, he's saying that the pebble still is primarily uh, a man's watch because. Traditionally, women's watches are smaller than men's models. And, and I think this is an important point to make because looking ahead at the, at the, at the wearable devices that we're going to get, I think that we're, we're going to see a, differentia- a differentiation between men's and women's models because, you know, obvious reasons. Traditionally, accessories are different uh, Depending on on you know mm. uh, on that different models point. that you want to make, and 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 uh, this of course becomes a problem mm-hmm. if you want to make these devices mainly about the screen. So if you're going to put what a larger sc- a larger screen on the men's model and a smaller screen on on the women's model, and then we're going to talk about fragmentation of fashion accessories. That <laughs> That sounds G- gender interesting. Gender fragmentation. <laughs> yeah, and then yeah. you've got the real. You can't call one the men's and one's the women's, right? You can't do that. It's it's yeah. That is an interesting point. That seems like it's a potential yeah. minefield. Yeah, and and about the screen too. Another another question that I want to ask you: What happens if all these new devices that go that go on the wrist are primarily screens, right? That maybe are flexible screens or flat screens, I don't know. But let's say let's say they are screens with information displayed on them. From a fashion point of view, from from a visual point of view, does the 
the beauty of the interface matter. Because can you imagine if you had this beautiful watch with just an ugly interface? It, like a beautiful watch made of steel and or maybe a nice leather, uh, leather band around it. I don't know. It's a really nice piece of hardware and a UI that looks like Windows 95. I mean, it kind of does look like Windows 95. Like yeah. it's not, I mean, so they, part of it is they use an e-ink screen so you can see it outside and like it gets actually gets pretty good battery life for something like this. Um, but there's some trade-offs there, mostly on like, you just can't do a lot of high-end graphics on e-ink. I mean, if you look at your Kindle, you know, and you have a book with a photo and it kind of looks kind of gross. So it's not, it's not great. And the controls aren't great, but like, I mean, Mike, you're not going to be wearing your pebble steel in five years, like because something, you know, much newer, much better, maybe from Apple, maybe from maybe from someone else is going to be out. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think all of this stuff, like you know, I think the fitness bands, I think you know, uh, pebble steel, I think Google Glass, like all this stuff is in its very infancy, and that's that's really important to remember. Like, you're not spending. Um, how much is the pebble steel, Mike? Two hundred fifty bucks. Yeah. Like. You might wear that thing for a year and a half, and actually, you know, or less, and it, and it's outdated, and so it's 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 kind of expensive to get in on that right now. Um, you know, set aside all the fashion stuff, like just from a technology standpoint, like it might not be a great investment at this point, like no matter how it looks. And I think Federico, you're right. Like there are trade offs there with the the look of the UI and the look of the watch, and like maybe they can update it, maybe they can't. You know, but I guess time will tell. Yeah, because um, you know, when I when I go to my when I go to my parents, or maybe when I'm waiting at the doctor's office, um, there's usually a bunch of magazines on the table, right? And so when I when I browse these magazines and I see all these advertisements, uh, you know, in Italy, I don't know if it's the same in the U.S., but when you buy these um general purpose magazines about I don't know fashion and and you know celebrity news that kind of stuff. There are always uh, advertisements about watches and and women's purses and clothes and that that kind of things, right? So the the ads about watches usually have these <laughs> these uh, sexy people and, and models like showing the watch on the wrist with a with a I don't know with a with a with an attractive face that kind of stuff that you know magazines do and uh, and I wonder <laughs> if it's conceivable to to see these advertisements with with these uh, models and, and and people posing for a camera and then showing i don't know like a notification <laughs> on the wrist it just it just doesn't yeah. i just it's cannot like, imagine it yeah it's like uh you know now like people post embarrassing photos on facebook so it's like you're completely <laughs> smashed and like if you zoom in on the wrist there's like a sext from like your roommate's <laughs> boyfriend like, yeah <laughs> so speaking of creepy stuff google glass so next up in my list, <laughs> and no, I'm joking, <laughs> kind of. What a, what a segue! So uh, the Google, Google Glass, it's um, it's certainly an interesting idea because always be able to have information right, you know, in front of you, and 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 it's a tiny accessory by computer standards. It's just too big by glass standards, and. Um, What's interesting is that for months there have been rumors of Google considering a partnership with um, Warby Parker, the, the, the prescription glass maker. And uh, instead, Google has 
come up with their own designs for uh, Google Google Glass pre- prescription glass I don't pre- think, uh, frames. I don't think this is necessarily instead. I think that this is for now. Oh, you think they're sick? Oh, yeah. Like, because all of this, all of these are just available still to the beta testers. Maybe, yeah. I mean, so well, you know, these have you will seen be the them, Mike? Huh? Have you seen them? The the. I mean, I yeah. think that it looks possibly a, a little better than. I the, think they look. The, I actually think that the 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 four no. four frames mm. look good. The the actual frames look. Yeah, good. the frames look good. Yeah, the frames look good, but the. The Google Glass device on the frame. Uh, it looks better know. than. Um, Does it look better than glass? Oh alone? no! It still has that big part behind the ear. I didn't yeah. see that. Yeah. It's yeah. Still it's kind of it's the same big. basic hardware, just with like a frame yeah. kind of smashed to it. I didn't you notice know, the the big sort of huge part. Yeah. Because regular Google Glass like looks weird. I mean, Mike and I, Mike, you and I have both used Google Glass. We used it. Uh, uh, Matt Pansry know how to pair it. WWDC last year, um, and I've actually used it again. There's a, a guy in Memphis who is in the Explorer program, and he like came by the office one day because people just come by our office with things. And like, it struck me both times that I've used it. A kind of like not super useful it is as a tool. Like, again, like Pebble, very basic, very early, um, but also like sort of just weird looking. Like it's like you stepped off the set of a Star Trek, and yeah. It's sort of the opposite problem of the Pebble. Like the Pebble might look really nice, even though, like, I loved uh, Matt Alexander's tweet about, like, uh, the Verge of the guy with, like, the studded bracelet uh, review, the Pebble Watch, which I thought was funny. Um, he has a fashion company. We should listen to him. I, mm, I've chastised so, Matt about that tweet. He'll be strong. Um, he doesn't listen but, to the like, show anyway. Yeah, he doesn't. Um the but the Google Google Glass kind of has like the, maybe the opposite problem like the UI like yes it's simple but it works and like but the hardware is like so kludgy like I don't want to go out in public looking like wearing that Joker on my face. Yeah, uh, I agree. I think that the Google Glass is is the, the the most difficult idea to sell to people. You you're gonna have to put this like prism thing on your uh, in front of your eyes and uh, and and it looks weird. The privacy implicate. I don't think the society is ready yet for this idea of people be- being able to record something all the time with with just you know a little screen in front of their of their eyes instead of you know holding a cell phone. Um, I think that we're gonna see eventually more devices and maybe people opening up to the idea more in in the next few years. I just think that it's gonna be the 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 hardest one to sell, but I I put a link in the show notes to an interview with uh, the Google Glass designer uh, Isabel Olson with the with the Verge, and she makes a good point I think about the how people's approach to headphones change with time. So Beats became cool, and but there are still two things that you put. On your head, and 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 glass. It's it's a, a kind of screen that you that you also put on your head in front of your eyes. So maybe she's saying that hey, people are okay with headphones in public now. Uh, so maybe the Google, the Google Glass eventually, with time, it'll become less about technology and and it'll become more about the information that it gives you because people don't see headphones 
uh, as these weird devices. The, when they see somebody with, with headphones, they, they think, oh, that, that person likes music. So maybe she's saying someday when they, when they will see someone with Google Glass, they will say, oh, hey, that, that person is into, I don't know, uh, <laughs> Google Search, uh, Google Now, or Google Plus. I don't know. But you get the point, right? So you guys still with me? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, I think, so, I think uh, a yeah, device please, like Google Glass is the future. I think that this design doesn't work and there's work that needs to be done to make the camera uh, function uh, better for for people around you. But I think that stuff like this, this sort of, um, you know, wearables are really, in essence, is about having your information more and more accessible and more and more integrated in your life. And in front of your eyes is maybe as, as, you know, as good as that gets. I do think I would like to have a camera that accessible. Um, there are sometimes things that happen in my life where I'm like, I wish I got a picture of that, but couldn't get my phone out of my pocket, open the camera. But if I could just like tap my eyeglasses, which I wear every day, and it take a picture, I would like that. But yes, there is something that even needs to be done, A, around the way that the hardware works so that people aren't so creeped out. Because it is weird when you're talking to somebody who's wearing them. Like It is a strange feeling because um, mm-hmm. you know there's a camera there. It is a weird feeling to, to, to be face-to-face with somebody wearing Google Glass. So either they need to do something from the hardware side or just people's perceptions need to change, which they will anyway, I think, over time, as all of these devices, all of these types of devices, smartphones gave us cameras that are with us all the time. Um, somebody's holding up a, their smartphone on the train or on the bus and they might be looking at it, but they might be taking a picture of you. Initially, that was, I think, kind of weird, but now I think we've moved past it and we're less freaked out by it. So I think that it will come, but it's maybe still a little ways down the way. And I don't think that Google were trying to say anything else. I think that they appreciate that it's not it's not right now, but that they need to work on it right now if they want it to be ready for whenever they want to release it. All right, so last device on, on my list. And this is possibly the strangest, most specific one. It's the Netatmo June bracelet. And the June is uh, basically, a, uh, it has a, a gem-like design. And it looks like a bracelet. It's been designed by Louis Vuitton. Um, but it's actually a little device that monitors your exposure to, to the sun. And it tells you what kind of number of, you know, the, the, the level of, sc- of sunscreen you should, you should have if you should wear perhaps shades, if you, if you should, you know, wear a hat because you're getting too many sun rays. And um, it's an interesting idea. It's a very specific device. It, it, looks, uh, it looks good. And um, it depends on an iPhone app for exchanging data and from presenting data to you. And um, it's going to come out in a few months. And, uh, and I think it... it, it it's a, it's a cool idea to think about, you know, this, a very specific device that looks like, looks like jewelry, but it, 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 that, that accomplishes a very specific function. And on this line, uh, I also saw um, another company called Ezio, which uh, the, they make these um, kind of jewelry accessories that they display notifications. So you have like a necklace and uh, which has a, a an LED light which lights up every time you get an email or a message. I don't know why, but 
people would want to wear uh, a kind of this kind of accessory just to to take a look at uh, notifications but anyway uh, it exists and um, also uh, i put a link to this company called csr uh, they are they they make uh, chips for computers and they have announced this uh, smart necklace, which is a, a collaboration with design brand um, Cellini, which sounds Italian. Maybe it's Cellini, I don't know. And uh, it's basically the same stuff as as the Ezio company. So there are these companies thinking thinking about you know this idea of jewelry uh, and mixing it up with uh, with data and with iPhones and. Um, so uh, we'll we'll have a link to those. And um, now um, we've seen a few examples, right? We've seen the Beats headphones, we've seen the Pebble, Google Glass, and um, and of course we we mentioned that there have been rumors of Apple starting to you know consider this field and possibly being actually deep in in the in the process of uh, finalizing whatever they've been working on. Uh, Apple. Uh, they they hired uh, a former chief executive of uh, of uh, Yves Saint Laurent. We we talked about this in in the, in the first few episodes of the prompt uh, to work on special projects. And of course, they also hired um, Angela Arens as a, as the new head of retail. Where she was the the previous CEO CEO of uh, of Burberry. And um, so it's it's reasonable to think that Apple is also considering the the, the importance of the fashion approach to this, to of course, mm, the the Burberry CEO, she's going to work at retail, but uh, the, the experience that she has is, is, must be valuable to Apple. So, I'm uh, I've been thinking about about this idea of uh, selling a wearable device to to the people, right? Because uh, people like 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 us, uh, we may not value. The, the the fashion uh, angle much personally I, I do maybe not as much as 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 I would like to because I don't have maybe the the, the money to afford a lot of uh, designer clothes and that kind of stuff or maybe because I just don't have the time to you know buy magazines and that, that kind of stuff which by the way should be the reason why <laughs> why companies like Need by by our friend Matt are, are successful. So I, I would like to care more about fashion, but I think it's reasonable to say that uh, geeks like us, they tend to underestimate the importance of uh, a design and fashion-focused approach to wearable devices. I think that if Apple wants to get into this field, if they want to, if they want to sell a wearable device, a wearable device to people, they need to realize that teenagers and 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 uh, consumers who care about what's fashionable, what is the current trend, they will have to consider deeply the way a device looks. So right now we have these uh, smartwatches and fitness trackers. They all depend on an iPhone or an Android phone or a smartphone in general to exchange data and information and display that information to the user. And I, I think the giveaway uh, today is that Bluetooth uh, Low Energy is the clear winner, and also known as Bluetooth Smart. And um, there used to be so many rumors about M uh, NFC being the next big thing, and, and maybe 
for payments in some parts of the world, uh, it has been that way, but all these new devices, they depend on, on, on Bluetooth connections. Also, right now, there's this kind of separation between devices that have screens, like watches, and devices that have uh, that, that, that just send information to an, to an external screen. And, and this is the case with health trackers and fitness trackers and, and other devices that just want to send, to, to send notifications to apps or display notifications from a device. So... In 2014, we'll probably see Apple doing more in this field. And Tim Cook said that they think that the wrist is interesting. And, um, and of course, that's all we got from Tim Cook. Mm-hmm. We, we, we have no idea what's going on, what, what they're working on. And uh, what, I, what I'm thinking about is, um, is, uh, is, it necess- is it necessary for Apple to, you know, approach fashion designers or approach design firms with experience in selling fashion accessories? Or is it possible that whatever Apple does will become, with time, a fashion statement? And uh, Because I'm thinking about the iPod, right? The original iPod wasn't announced or maybe even conceived necessarily as a, as a, as a fashion accessory. But with time... It did become a fashion statement. It it, it became it became a status symbol. It became it, be, it became, you know, having an iPod and and showing the white earbuds and and you know it, it became a fashion thing. You were cool if you had yeah. an iPod. Just just yeah, like but you. I, but I think Apple kind of fell into that. Like, like exactly. They, kinda, yeah. they saw they saw what happened, and then like the iPod Mini came out. Right, it's smaller. Like they had all these accessories for it. It was cut. Co- you know, had color cases and. You know, I don't think Apple would make that mistake again. Like, if they are going to go after like the fashion market, they're going to like jump in. Like you see it with the iPhone 5C, like with the the colors and like all the cases, and they're like it's the the colors they used are very trendy. Like the the circles on the back, like it's a very trendy thing in design right now. It's like I think Apple's trying, and yes, they've brought on like they brought on the guy we talked about months ago, whose name I cannot pronounce or remember. But like I don't know how, I don't know how serious they have to be about it, like intentionally. Like I think Apple views all of its all of its products now as fashion items, whether they they strap around your wrist or they're in your pocket most of the time. They want them to be fashionable when you have them on the table or in your hand in public. So, um, yeah, uh, I, I agree. But I also think that. For something that you that you're going to wear, and um, especially if you're, you know, I, I think that women tend to accessorize more than men, and I, so I've, I've been talking to to my girlfriend and to other female friends about this because I wanted to I wanted to have different perspectives than mine, and I think that we 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 as you know we as tech. Uh, nerds we tend to think of accessories as um you know like the word itself says an accessory it's not it's not uh the core experience right it's gonna be an accessory that you may or may not use but for something that 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 you're going to wear all the time and for something that 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 is fashionable 
an, an accessory is not actually an accessory because wh when you're when you're wearing an accessory, it is part of, of a it is just as, as important as your as your shirt as your as your as your you know jeans or, or skirt as your purse as your hat. It's it's another core component of the way you dress up and you and you go out, right? So I I do think that that Apple won't won't do the same mistake again of kind of you know falling into this uh, this all uh, oh the iPod is a, is a fashion item surprise. So but 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 I have to wonder to 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 conclude. Um, I'm I'm wondering if um, software will become you know the the big difference this time and um, I don't know if we're going to see a device either with a screen or without a screen if the focus will be on interacting with this device or just wearing it to give other devices like iPhones and iPads more personal data about you I don't know if the if the if Apple wants to do to create a device that you use manually that you you know maybe there's a screen or if it's just something that they need to you know perhaps to monitor your fitness status or your health or your sleep i don't know what I, what I, what i'm thinking about is whether you know wh when you buy a classic watch when you buy a mechanical watch you don't have to worry about status uh, software updates Right, mm -hmm. a, a classic watch will will basically work for decades. Well, more than that, you... charging the battery every couple of days or every day. Yes, exactly. So you don't have to worry about oh, my watch doesn't <laughs> run the latest version of the software the, yep. of the watch OS. <laughs> so, and of course, you don't have to worry about you know changing the battery, uh, recharging the battery, like you said. And and like I said before, if this device has a screen. How does the software interface become a part of, of the of the whole, you know, fashionable experience? Uh, is it is it necessary to to have a screen? Is it necessary to have a, a really customizable interface? Because you know, when people like to buy fashionable items and accessories, but they also like to to make them their own. They also like to be unique in a way when when they buy a watch but perhaps they they want to buy a different a different wristband perhaps they want to buy the leather one or, or maybe they want the the metal black one so people like to customize these things when the when they wear when they, they they're going to wear them so i have to wonder is apple a company that lets users customize their experience that much maybe not but maybe in a way, yes, because if you, I mean, maybe even something as simple as the wallpaper on the iPhone, it, it is a, a customization feature. So maybe if they're going to, to, to produce a wearable device, they will allow users to, you know, to make, to make it their own. In conclusion, uh, it, it's a very, it's difficult to predict what, what Apple itself will do, because we don't know. And because we don't, we we just have a, a a very confused idea that the wearable market is going to be something big. We don't know if by wearable we mean a watch or 
a fitness tracker or uh, you know something to monitor your, the way you sleep or a notification system that you wear on your wrist we we don't know what what we do know is that more and more companies are, are getting into this field and more and more companies uh, are considering the you know the the fashion approach many companies are you know reaching out to to fashion designers to design brands to get help in designing wearable devices that look better that are desirable that are cool that that are you know that 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 respect modern trends and on the other hand many designers many many fashion brands are trying to work out deals with with tech companies because they don't want to become irrelevant because all these companies they are seeing this this trend of smartwatches you know picking up steam and they're saying we don't have the expertise to produce a smartwatch we just know how to produce a, a classic watch a mechanical watch what's going to happen if 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 all of a sudden in 5 years the smartwatch is the new iphone and we are blackberry basically so we are seeing all these designers and brands reaching out to tech companies to say hey you know we, we can help you design in designing a watch or a bracelet or a band i mean we are seeing that there is a gold nike fuel band there is there's going to be uh, there's going to be a, a fitbit flex designed by fashion brand Tory Burch this spring. So it's interesting to see what, what, what was going to happen with, with, you know, tech meets fashion. I think it's going to be important. Uh, as for Apple, I have no idea because Apple is also the company that likes to do things on their own without considering the market. But, uh, but I believe that a wearable device needs to consider the the fact that people want it to look good and they want to look and they want it to look good in any context especially if it's going to be a device that you know monitors data about you all the time and um and so yeah that's it that's that's um just something that i've been thinking about yeah i mean i think i think the part about like what does apple do um i think is 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 endlessly interesting you, know, you look historically, uh, Apple will let a market sort of get going and let, they'll let other players make mistakes. Then Apple will come in, assumingly with the knowledge of those mistakes and blow things out of the water, right? There were MP3 players before the iPod. There were smartphones before the iPhone. There were tablets before the iPad. But what Apple brought to the table was not something that was just a little bit better than you know the mp3 player or the smartphone but a giant leapfrog over everything in the market so you look at things like the pebble steel and the galaxy gear and you know it's it's kind of easy to imagine like the ipod nano as a watch band thing which like i tried and it was terrible in every way um <laughs> maybe we can dig that link up mike but i'll find it the and so, uh, Federico, you talked about it in our iPhone episode. Like, what are the three things? What is the internet communicator of, you know, uh, wearables? Which is a sentence that I never thought I would say without jumping off a bridge. But, like, th that's that's the thing that, like, I can't wrap my head around is 
What is a leapfrog over what's there now? Um, I think we've touched on a lot of the elements. I think we, we've talked about how the UI has to be good. I think we talked about longevity. Like if you're going to buy a $250 watch or, you know, a $300 iPhone, you want it to, you know, last several years. And I don't know if the things on the market now do that. Um, so it is interesting, but at the same time, I think it would be ridiculous for us to talk about this. And like with any assumption that Apple's going to do anything like, I mean, how many how many articles do you guys read on like a weekly basis of like there's not a television yet, there's not a, a watch yet in this case, you know, like they're they're not doing these things, you know, innovation is dead in Cupertino. Like no one got on stage and promised this. Like there've been hints, and but Apple has always played games with words. Like that's kind of their thing, actually. Um, and so if 2014 comes and goes and there's no I watch giant air quotes. Um, it doesn't mean that Apple is doomed or that Tim Cook has fallen and hit his head on the back of the toilet and like dreamed up the flux capacitor and has spent 30 years building it. Like it, it just means that they're not either. They're not ready and Apple doesn't do things before it's not ready or that they're not going to do anything. Like that's fine because on this end, on this side of it, like Federico, I think you're, I think you're absolutely right. Like fashion and tech and where those things meet is increasingly important. But we don't know if it's going to be increasingly important for like the next year or two or like the next 10 years. Like we can guess, like the assumption is that this is the future. And I, I think it is, but we're still in the very like early stages of all this stuff. And so to say that Apple is going to do X, Y, and Z, and if they don't, then they're screwed. Like there's just no, there's no foundation for that sort of statement at this point. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just think that we're gonna see. It's interesting to to watch other companies trying to to tackle this problem, and 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 I find it especially amusing to to, you know, to to watch companies reaching out to to fashion brands and designers and and because I'm trying to imagine like a gold Fitbit Flex, and then it's it's a new it's a new concept, right? It's a new idea of the the geeky gadget becoming a desirable, fashionable accessory. It's a new thing, and and I'm curious to see, especially this year, because really the wearable trend started maybe in 2012, and last year we saw many entries in the market. This year we're gonna see even more, and this new this new approach of making these gadgets that apparently some people are buying more cool more f- desirable more more trendy more more you know more fashionable in general i think it's a, i think it's the place to watch all of this stuff right now i <laughs> suit you oh it wasn't necessary <laughs> N- nice Not, joke mm, mike um i think that it's it's clearly where most technology companies are going because they need you know they need another area to tackle and the companion devices is is probably where it's going to be especially as phones get bigger as well um it, you know as phones get bigger and bigger and bigger and apple's phones are about to get bigger it would appear um it makes sense in a way for us to have a smaller device which 
connects to our phone, which might seem like overkill, but as time goes on and we use our phones more and more and more, I think that that becomes more important. And as someone, um, as I've mentioned in places recently, that uses their iPhone so heavily, having a, a companion device where I so I don't need to be looking at my phone all the time, I can just, if, a, if an email comes in, I want to check the subject line of the email, it appears on my watch face. That works for me. Some people might think that that is insane. Why would you want that to be in your face all the time? Maybe I come from a different place. Maybe I've grown up in this, so it's always been a part of my life, so I don't consider that stuff intrusive. And I want to keep up to date and and abreast with what's happening in my life. I just can't wait next week to text you knowing that your wrist is going off. I don't even want to dignify that. (laughs) Because of all of the innuendo which lies within it. <laughs> wow. Get your so, head out of the gutter. I know. I think that we, uh, I think we've come to the end of this week's episode. Unless either of you have any closing statements that you want to make at all. Closing, cl- closing arguments. Closing, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, I just think that it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's gonna, if you're, if you're interested in, in trying all these new gadgets, unless you are The Verge or Yahoo Tech, it's going to be expensive to Mike buy them all. Mike buys them all. Mike buys them all. <laughs> or you, if you're The Verge right. or Yahoo Tech or uh, Mike Hurley. I want to clarify something. <laughs> no, Mike, you, you, you no, do No, the have, show's over. The you, show's over. You have, you have a gadget problem, Mike. Well, yes, I know that. But the, the Pebble turned out to be a decent deal. Um, once the conversion rate was applied and the fact they did free international shipping if you pre-ordered and stuff. So, mm, mm, mm. You know. remember our economy is better than yours so. that's probably true oh. Oh, it is true because our currency is stronger it's, it's, it's simple it's, it's not about race <laughs> alright I want to thank everybody for listening to this week's episode of The Prompt if you want to find uh, links to all of the notes for today's episode go to 5x5.tv slash prompt slash 33 You'll also find a link on that page if you want to send us an email. You can do that by clicking the contact button at the top of the page. But we love to get our feedback on Twitter because it's quick and easy for us to see and respond to. And we love to have those conversations with you. The show has a Twitter account. It's underscore the prompt. Um, I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Stephen is at I-S-M-H. And Federico is at Vitici, V-I-T-I-C-C-I. If you'd like to read what Federico is writing, then go to maxstories.net. And for Stephen, go to 512pixels.net. We'll be back next week for another episode of The Prompt. Until then, thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye. Arrivederci. Adios.